Hey everybody, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles and thank you to Seminole Boosters for their support of this program and more than that, their support of Florida State student-athletes. If you're listening to this show and you're not a booster, what are you doing? Support the program and the student-athletes you care about. All the information you need is online at boosters.fsu.edu. Your gift makes an impact. It supports scholarships and sports medicine, strength and conditioning, nutrition, equipment. Buy tickets, show the student-athletes you care. All the info you need, boosters.fsu.edu. And all the info you need this week, well, here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Florida State 1-0. Keith, Florida State 1-0. How you feeling? What you think? Uh, my, my feeling has not changed from, uh, from Sunday when uh, you and I last visited. Florida State is 1-0. Uh, after all that we've been through over the last four or five years, we'll, we'll take it one week at a time, we'll take one victory at a time, and we'll take any kind of win in any way it looks. Against whoever it is. I hear you. Now, should they win this week, we're going to want to count it twice, right? That's that's the magnitude this game feels like we're we're starting out with. It it feels like no matter what happens, we're gonna we're gonna put too much on it if it's a win or too much on it if it's a loss. But I'd rather it be the former and and it's been a while. It'd be nice to get the two and oh. That it would. And uh, you know, there's just a lot of interesting things here. Head coach at LSU and a proven commodity and coach Kelly. You know, new coordinators, although he's worked quite extensively, I think, with the offensive coordinator. But the defensive coordinator is coming directly from the NFL. Last three years uh, in the NFL. Uh, Florida State's played a game, but LSU hasn't, which means LSU has tape on uh, FSU, but FSU doesn't have tape on LSU. But you're supposed to make your biggest improvement from game one to game two, and Florida State's already had a game one. I mean, which scenario from the book do we want to go with That'll be uh, that'll just manifest itself on Sunday night. Patrick Burnham will join us uh, the next couple of segments. Our Osceola insider, he's done a lot of deep diving uh, about LSU and what they have. So we'll get a good good preview of of what the Tigers are going to bring into the dome. Uh, Keith, general thoughts. I mean, the dome's been pretty good to FSU over the years. Eight and two all time for the Knolls uh, in what is now the Caesars Superdome. Uh, it'd be nice to get the nine and two, certainly. That it would. And, you know, and FSU's had a, at least significant, in my opinion, success against LSU. Uh, I played in the first game FSU and LSU ever played in uh, way back in 1979. I think the last time you, you got it in front of you, but the last time LSU and Florida State played was 91. Uh, and that was the game. I believe that's the game when Casey Weldon took an absolute beating in a game that was there was some rain and it was it was a running game and and I mean Casey came out of that he was he had been hit 47 ways to Sunday uh and it was just a really really physical ball game but again you've got a record in the dome you've got at least a winning record against LSU uh in terms of programs um so it will go with those two we'll say those are the two most critical things and FSU's got an advantage that 91 game, it wasn't just Casey. There was 14 or 16 guys that got hurt. And Florida State was so deep then. 
that that save for uh, one game that we won't discuss now against Miami, they still managed to to roll through just about everybody or everybody else in that schedule. Uh, Keith, you know, we may have some new listeners or we may have some older listeners who, like you and now me, don't remember that you've shared this story before. But why don't you share the story about the first time we played LSU and your encounter with Mike the Tiger? Oh, well, let me tell you something. That was my junior year. I was the primary punt returner my sophomore year. So junior year, uh, Henry's returning punts. So I go out early just to catch a few punts. I come back in. And so I go out with the specialist, the defensive backs. And I'm, I walk out of the tunnel and, I, and I'm standing with my back to what I think is a concrete wall. I'm not really paying attention. It's loud. There's a lot going on. And I just, I bump my head back with my helmet on. And it doesn't sound like a helmet being concrete or hollow core concrete wall. It sounds like metal. And I'm going to myself, self, that ain't right. And I turn around. They had moved Mike the Tigers. They moved his rolling cage, his wagon, to right outside the visitor's locker room door. And when I turned around, I was literally two feet, nose to nose, to Mike the Tiger. And that head was the size of the old satellite dishes we all used to have. <laughs> and it scared me so bad about the bricks. Yeah, I mean, I was really shocked. It was almost like the face that comes out of the unknown place in a horror movie. It makes you just jump. I turned, saw that tiger, I just jumped. We don't have tigers in Wildwood. We have ocelots and wildcats, but we don't have tigers. Well, if it makes you feel better, and that Mike is no longer with us, I'm not sure which number Mike that was in the sequence. When he was interviewed after the game, he said he too had never been as afraid as when he saw you backed up against his cage, KJ. <laughs> uh, somehow I don't believe that, but thank you. <laughs> All right, Patrick Burns, Burnham joins us next. We'll talk on the field, Knowles and Tigers, right after this on Front Row Knowles. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Trucks, cars, and SUVs, you name it, and we got it. With the best selection of new and used vehicles in North Florida and South Georgia, and the best prices and trade-in values every day, it's the Hobson way. And if it's service you want, Mike Tyler and his team will take great care of you and do the job right. You'll never get a better deal or be treated better than right here in Cairo, Georgia at Hobson Chevrolet. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones. Let's open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And say hello to our Osceola insider this week, Patrick Byrne. And Patrick, good to see you. How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How about you? Hey, it's FSU LSU week. So other than the fact that my marriage needs an annulment for a few days, uh, I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> you're on a break. I keep telling you, you're on a break. You're on a break. Well, if you got if you're on a break, New Orleans is a good place to be on a break. 
Yeah, we'll see if I need a break next week after the result of this game comes in. But, uh, Patrick, I know you've been diving into LSU, and throughout our conversation, we'll look back at what we saw the other night from FSU and Duquesne. But I think at this point, people are more interested in hearing about LSU. So, broad strokes first, what did Brian Kelly inherit? What's he got? Well, uh, he's got a quarterback situation on his hands. He, you know, he's declared that he has a starter. Uh, you know, a lot of people think it's going to be the Arizona State transfer, Jaden Daniels. But uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, who's a redshirt freshman or, or sophomore, I'm sorry, redshirt freshman, uh, is right behind him or expected to be right behind him. I'm expecting both quarterbacks to play. Uh, he said in his press conference on Monday that it was a very close battle between the two, but that he has decided who his starter will be. Uh, and I think it's going to be Jaden Daniels. He's got the most experience. Uh, and I, but like I said, I think both of them will play. Obviously, Daniels is a little bit more of a dual threat quarterback, having run for over 1,200 yards in his career at Arizona State and obviously passed for 6,000. Uh, Nussmeyer has four start or four uh, games under his belt, uh, about a 50% passer. So, uh, you know, he's less least experienced of the two. So I expect it to be Daniels. Uh, you know, listen, they don't have a very veteran offensive line. They're big. I believe they have 28 starts between the five guys that are going to be starters. They're going to start a true freshman left tackle. So that'll be interesting to see how FSU's defensive ends can, uh, uh, you know, put pressure on him. And, you know, this will be a big game for uh, Will Campbell is his name. And then, of course, they're, you know, really they're expecting to be very deep at receiver. Uh, you know, they everybody knows about Boutte. Uh, you know, he's expected to be the, the next great receiver uh, at LSU. Uh, they've got some guys behind him that can play. Uh, and, of course, you know, then they've got a transfer running back from Penn State. So it's kind of a mixed bag. They're kind of like uh, FSU in a lot of ways. They've brought in a lot of transfers. Uh, they've got 16 guys that have started games at other schools that transferred into the program. Uh, they're secondary uh, except for one guy uh, is expected to be too deep, mostly filled out with transfers, guys that have never played at LSU. And then, of course, up front on defense, they're expected to be really good. Uh, you know, they feel like they got three NFL guys, uh, two at the defensive end positions, one at nose tackle, Mason Smith, who was you know highly thought of coming out of high school as one of the top-rated prospects in the nation two years ago. Uh, but, you know, but you've got Ali Gay at defensive end. You've got B.J. Ojalari at defensive end, uh, you know, they, uh, that front four combined for 43 and a half tackles for a loss last year and 23 sacks. So, you know, you're going to have a, you're going to have your hands full up front. Probably if you're the FSU offensive line and they have a, a group of active linebackers and Mike Jones jr. And Greg Penn, uh, and of course, FSU fans will be familiar with Mike Jones jr. He started his career at Clemson, uh, and it was a playmaking machine for them last year. So, uh, we'll see how it goes, but, uh, you know, listen, you don't know what to expect from offense, defense, uh, new, you know, his coordinators, Mike Denbrock on offense. He's been with Brian before, both at Notre Dame and at Grand Valley State. Uh, he also spent time with Luke Fickle at Cincinnati the last five years. So, you know, you're going to get a lot of power run game. That's what Brian likes to do. It's what Luke liked to do at Cincinnati. Uh, and then, of course, you know, defense, I think they're going to be multiple. Uh, Matt House is his defensive coordinator. So, at the last three years uh, coaching uh, at Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs linebacker coach. So, listen, LSU has the advantage of the unknown. Um, going into this game. Matt, do, you, do, you, do you equate the advantage of the unknown versus Florida State having the opportunity to take 80-something snaps on offense? Do those cancel those out? Does favor go back to Florida State? Because LSU's only scrimmage. They haven't played a game. What are your thoughts? 
Well, listen, I think uh, in particular the snaps that FSU got for its younger players was most important. Uh, I still think that what we don't know about Florida State going into this game is how will this team react to adversity? It will see adversity in this game. It did not see any in the last game, and it should not have. Uh, and then, you know, what's going to – you know, this – that. We heard about the game being a physical game for Florida State against uh, Duquesne. And listen, it should have been, right? You're, you're physically superior over that team. And it should have been like the biggest eighth grader going out to the playground and picking on the smallest sixth grader. And that's what it was. Uh, so how will these guys react when they are a physical game, when it's physical on both sides, right? When there's equal physical talent. So, you know, those are the two questions I have going into the game. Uh, but certainly I think there's advantages to both. I think I think it's any, you can spin it either way, right? But for Florida State in particular, uh, it, especially on the offensive line, they need to get a game under their belt to see what they had and see how deep they were. Uh, so listen, I think it was an advantage there. It was probably an advantage uh, on the defensive front for Florida state, you know, to see how they can rotate, how deep they are. And then of course at linebacker with Tatum Bethune being his first year into the system and, you know, a guy like Brandon Gant, who's not played linebacker. Uh, you know, I think, so I think you could make the argument both ways that, you know, Florida state does have an advantage because it does need to, it does know what what it need to tweak out of that first game also probably has a better understanding of how roles are going to be defined moving forward. Who are, who is the true second teamer? Uh, how many snaps those guys are going to get. So I think there's some advantages there for Florida state. Let's dive deeper, Pat offensive line for FSU versus that defensive line for LSU. So I'm going to phrase it this way and I don't know if it's accurate, but I'll call it, Worst case scenario, Maurice Smith, who I think is back at practice this week. We don't really know his status. Darius Washington, we don't really know. So let's just, for sake of this conversation, let's assume that Dylan Gibbons is the starting center. And then I assume the offensive line is pretty much what played the second quarter against Duquesne. Yep. What do you think if that's what Florida State goes to battle with? And then you can expound upon, but if they get Washington back or if they have Maurice Smith, how it might look. Well, I think Dylan Gibbons is their best offensive lineman, and I'm very comfortable with him lining up at center if that was to be the case. Uh, he looked very natural there uh, against Duquesne. Uh, Bryson Estes, who replaced him at guard, has been very impressive and consistent during camp, and I think Bryson is going to be a guy that's going to push for playing time as the year goes on. So, uh, listen, it's going to be a stout test. There's no doubt about that. We will, you know, a lot of the questions that we want answered as FSU fans and people that cover the the team we're going to find out about FSU in the Superdome and then two weeks later at Louisville in these road contests uh we're against some very good teams so uh you know listen I'm I think Gibbons uh is the guy that kind of makes that offensive line work whether he's lined up at guard or center certainly you would love to have Maurice and Darius both back because obviously with Darius you got the flexibility of playing him at guard or center but listen I am I'd be very comfortable with Dylan Gibbons at starting center you know, Pat, one of the things that intrigues me, and this is, would be a game plan that Florida State's working through this week, they only threw the ball with the starting quarterback, which only played two series and then uh, one, one, uh, two quarters and one series in the second half. But, you know, with only 15 passes, I didn't count them up, maybe 22 or 23 in the ball game. You know, FSU did not show much of their passing attack, and even the passes they threw were pretty simplistic. Yep. So if they get stuffed at the line of scrimmage, I'm encouraged back what the outcome will be, but I'm encouraged by the fact we haven't seen anything from the quote unquote new passing game. So no, and I, 
Yeah, I think everything was kind of vanilla on both sides of the ball. But yes, uh, you know, I think the big thing is, uh, you know, you you got those guys, especially the transfers, the Pittmans, the Wilsons. Uh, you got those guys some reps in the offense and game situation. Uh, you saw that they have potential. I, I think you're right, Keith. I think Florida State's probably going to have to be successful throwing the ball to a certain extent you know, to loosen up the front, to make those linebackers think past, to get, you know, not allow seven, eight men up in the box. Uh, so, yes, I think that uh, we'll see a lot more, uh, a lot more, uh, I think we'll see more play action. You know, we didn't see a ton of that uh, in this game. Uh, I think you'll want to make uh, Jordan, uh, have Jordan stress the edge of that defense, uh, you know, make those guys run, uh, you know, chase him, you know, do some more rollout stuff. But yes, listen, I think that uh, we're going to see Florida State have to be uh, more active in the passing game, and I think they will be. And, you know, just going back to Duquesne, even Duquesne didn't want to throw the ball very much. They, they threw it 17 times. They wanted, they wanted to get out of town just as much they as wanted to shorten State the game. Did. Exactly. That's right. So I think everybody was on the same page. But yeah, listen, I, obviously, I think Florida State's going to have to throw the ball more than 22 times, which is what they did. It was 54 to 22 run to pass ratio. Uh, and listen, uh, you know, uh, JT did look good. He was 11 of 15, I believe, is what his uh, stat line was for that game. So, you know, he was uh, consistent and productive. And, you know, we saw him throw the ball deep. We saw him check it down. So, but yes, you have to be excited uh, about what you saw from FSU in this limited passing game, uh, particularly what you saw from the transfers. And listen, you had a young guy step up, Kentron Portier. Yeah, I thought my favorite, played my favorite really two well. words, Tommy. My favorite two words are not new words, but my favorite two words going into Louisville or Louisiana, rather, waggle and boot, waggle yep. and boot. <laughs> yep, yep. I, I think we'll see some of that. You learned those terms in Leesburg, didn't you? Oh, and Wildwood, but uh, beside the point. Yeah, I don't. How did I say Leesburg? We've been doing this show how long? I definitely am getting older, Keith. I just associated with Leesburg instead of Wildwood. Hey, Man, I can't even get my own Notre jokes Dame right on anymore. A Sunday night last week. Uh, so what do I know? <laughs> hey, Pat, go, dot, let, let's continue that conversation about JT. So you're right. He was 11 for 15. Two of them were drops. Uh, the one yes. to, to, to Johnny in the end zone, the one Cam McDonald dropped. One of them was a throwaway, a good throwaway, because Pittman was covered in the back corner. And the other one was, I think it was a slant route that he threw maybe behind McLean. But uh, so bottom line is, I, and even separate the stats, what impressed me the most is a couple of the dig routes he threw to Portier and to Deuce Span. It looked to me like he threw him with conviction and confidence. There was not, is it open? He just gunned it in there. Did you get that sense or am I making too much of it because it was Duquesne? Well, no, I mean, I, you know, you know, passing is rhythm, right? At least some of the routes that they run, you know, you're supposed to take that second, you know, third step, fifth step. Uh, sometimes it's a one-step drop and you're supposed to hit that back foot hit and throw the ball. And that's what it seems to be doing. And we've, listen, we've seen a more consistent, more confident Jordan Travis in this camp. He certainly feels more comfortable and looks more comfortable than he has at any time in the three years that we've been covering. So, yes, I, I you know, I get it. We all going to take what we saw at Duquesne with a grain of salt and well, we should uh, because the level of competition is going to get stepped up significantly in the next, well, the rest of the season. So, uh, but yes, I think that you do. That's probably one position because of the ball's got to get out of his hands in a, you know, a certain amount of time um, is in a timing pass pattern uh yeah I, I think that you got to be pleased and like you said he was almost perfect right I mean you know you said one throw away and um 
other than that, it was two drops. So if you take those, you want to see 14 or 15. So yeah, I think we take that again. That's hard to do 14 or 15 against the air. Exactly. And one of the other things you've already mentioned part of it, but the other thing I'm looking for is, and, and as you mentioned also, um, Duquesne did not stretch Florida State, but those LSU wide receivers against Florida State's defensive backs, I think that's going to be a, a kind of an interesting uh, matchup as well. Yeah, listen, uh, you know, we think FSU has a lot of ability in that secondary. They played really good the second half of last year. Uh, you know, getting Amari and Cooper back would be a big shot in the arm for Florida State at one of the corners. You know, Kevin Knowles looks like he's going to be a star at that nickelback position. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you got Renardo Green over there at the other corner. and You feel really good about your safeties, right? Akeem Dent, Jamie Robinson. Uh, so this, you know, this should be the year. That, that that secondary is what we think it has been or could be all along. And then, of course, you know, I think you've got two guys that have a bright futures and Azariah Thomas and Sam McCall, who are both obviously on the two deep as true freshmen. Uh, so, listen, I think that I think that you're right. I think the, ma the key matchups on both sides actually are going to be how the wide receivers on each team do against the defensive backs on each team. Did we lose Tom? We've been having some Zoom glitches. Well, well no, that wasn't a Zoom. I, I appreciate the cover, Keith. That was not a Zoom glitch. That was I was on mute because I got up to take my dog into the other room and forgot <laughs> to unmute myself. Operator error. Operator error. We're just going to call it a pregnant pause. So anyway, <laughs> hey, Pat, if you can, let, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and continue this conversation on Front Row Knowles. Loading the kids in the car. Brokering peace in the back seat, mastering the snack handoff without even looking. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things like figuring out what's growing in that cup holder. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles. Uh, Patrick, let's, let's continue about the, the defense a little bit. You have probably more knowledge than most about Tatum Bethune given your brother's connection at, at UCF there a little bit. And uh, what did you think, uh, what, what have you seen from him? One game at FSU, I thought he, he clearly looked instinctive to me, but just through practice and, and what you've seen so far since he's been at FSU. 
Uh, you saw exactly in practice what you saw in that game. A guy who can, finds his way to the ball, a physical guy, plays with high effort, high energy, which is exactly what you saw at UCF. And I know, uh, you know, everybody remembers his last game there because we all watched him beat the Gators and had 15 tackles in that game. But that's what they've got. He's the best linebacker Florida State's had in five or six years. I don't think it's even close. Uh, you know, you've got some big guys to help him up front, and Cooper and Lovett and Jackson and Farmer and uh, Ray and, you know, they're those you know they played a lot of heavy technique uh kind of read and react not really too gapping but i uh, don't want to get too technical but they were holding those guards up right so these those guys can make those linebackers can make plays and what you saw is a guy that has a natural affinity for being around the ball and he's physical when he gets there and i think he's probably faster football speed than he is actual speed if you know what i mean but uh yeah listen i've more than impressed with him. Uh, you know, listen, I, I think that he his health is one of the keys to this defensive success this year. And uh, certainly a guy that is going to certainly has the opportunity uh, and potential to make this de defense much better than we've seen it in the last two years. Pat, I was impressed with the running backs breaking tackles. But for the scrimmages, and no media was there, we, all we can do is listen to the coaches. One of the complaints or disappointments in the FSU scrimmages during fall camp was, was missed tackles. You didn't see much of that on Saturday. It, I, it was a pretty impressive tackling effort. Yeah, they did. They and listen. I was very impressed with the way they chased the ball. Uh, you know, you saw guys didn't matter what positions flying all over the field. Uh, and listen, defense is an effort. It's, you know, it's all effort, right? I mean, it's chasing and tackling it. I mean, it's running and hitting. That's what you're supposed to do. Take care of your – but, yes, I think that uh, – and we've noticed that uh, in practice. You know, they really do a good job of chasing the football. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I was a little bit surprised there were more, more missed tackles because they don't do it a lot, right? Uh, now, you know, is that a Duquesne thing? Just that they're much faster than the kids that they were trying to tackle and much more athletic? Uh, we'll find out on Saturday, uh, on Sunday night in New Orleans. But, yeah, certainly you have to be impressed with the fact that there weren't a significant amount of missed tackles. And as you well know, uh, it has not mattered who we've played or who Florida State has played in the past. You know, missed tackles have been an issue. Uh, you know, thankfully – as Mike has been here longer, it's been less of an issue, but certainly, uh, you know, for a first game, uh, the lack of missed tackles does stand out and in a good Actually, way. Actually, that's exactly, that's exactly where I was going, Patrick. Uh, and, and really to me, it started midpoint of last year when the defense yep. improved from a, from a fundamental standpoint. Yeah. There weren't missed tackles, but on offense, there weren't procedure penalties or offsides or that kind of stuff either. So I, you know, we're quick to criticize when we see a game and there's three false starts. I think we ought to point out that it seems like the coaching staff, now that they've had guys in their system a couple of years and it's guys who want to be here, I know it was a one-game sample size, but fundamentally they were pretty sound in that game. Yeah, listen, I think you – I mean, there were – I think maybe I can remember maybe four flags the entire game. I mean, I'm sure you guys have the stat. I don't have it in front of me, but, you know, the, there was only one – I think there was might have been one false start, if I remember correctly. Um that, you know, that's pretty good for, a, uh, you know, especially as many people as they played. Uh, it was an offensive lineman, I believe, that was a false start on. And then, of course, you know, you only had the only one that really stood out to me. And, you know, you'll kind of take these because it's an effort foul to some degree. But the one on uh, Jerry and Jones, the hit out of bounds, you know, listen, first game, you kind of give them a pass on that, right? I mean, you know, but that was the only one where you say, well, you know, I'd really like to have that one back. Uh, but, yeah, so I thought, you know, it's a very clean game. It's what you wanted to see, right? I mean, they're 
this was a game where you should go out and play free and, you know, listen, this was not a high pressure game against Duquesne. Um, you know, you should play well, you know, again, we'll see how all that transfers down the road, but yeah, certainly you have to give them proc. You, we wanted to see a clean game. I think everybody did. And I think that's what we saw. We saw a, a dominant performance, which we needed to see and what, and what we did. And we saw for the most part, by and large, a very clean, effective uh, game operation on both sides of the ball and even special teams. Pat, there's two, two stats that we sometimes talk about that are probably the worst stats in the world. And that's you, you don't want to set a score for number of punts in a season. No. <laughs> and there's an argument to be made. You don't really want to be very good at kickoff return because that no. means you're giving up too many points. <laughs> that's right. right. Specifically to kickoff return, only two in the sample size. But um, I didn't see the improvement there I wanted to. Is that an over-criticism? No, I mean, you know, I said one of the things that I wanted to see against Duquesne because you are so much bigger and so much faster is I wanted to see some big plays in the kicking game. Now, you can argue that you did when you've pinned them inside the 15-yard line twice on kickoffs. It just showed up in coverage, right? Uh, I did expect – I know that there was a punt out of bounds or two, uh, you know, but – I would have liked to see more. I think we had four yards returned in uh, the punt game. Uh, two guys returned. I think both two two players had opportunities. Pittman and I can't remember who returned the last punt. Uh, but you would, yeah, you would like to see. Uh, I know you're asking me about kickoff return. Uh, listen, I think it's got to. I think it's got to be a calculated risk. You get the ball at the 25. Uh, so if you can't make it to the 25 on your return, you've actually cost your team yardage. So I think you got to pick your spots on kickoff return, uh, but certainly you would expect uh, the athletes that they have, whether it's a Pittman, a Span, a McCall. Uh, listen, we saw McCall on that first kickoff return. He kind of danced around a little bit, right? Freshman mistake. That's my, that's my point. He will learn that he has got to – plant that foot one time and get upfield. Uh, you can't start dancing. I, and I think it was a freshman deal, right? I mean, his first time he's ever gotten the ball in his hands in a Florida State uniform. And what's he want to do? He wants to, he wants to try to go all the way to the house. And, you know, he didn't set up his blocking. And, uh, you know, he kind of got caught, caught in the moment, for lack of a better term. But I do think as those guys get more experience and get those nerves and jitters out of the way, uh, I do. And listen, I think even Pappy just said on Monday that he was not, he thought that he would have more success in the return game and was hoping for uh, a bigger play. I think it's coming. Uh, you know, they've got too many athletes, uh, too many guys that can run and, uh, you know, to not have something big happen in the return game at some point that's a difference maker in a game. I think we'll see it. I did think we'd see more of it in this game, but I will give them – listen, I thought the coverage teams made coverage a difference. Yeah, yeah. And listen, and that's and – that's, and having an offense start on the 13- and 15-yard line is a significant advantage to the defense. I mean, it's, it's hard to go 75 yards, let alone 85 or 90. I mean, uh, so, yes, I think that what we saw was – we saw some big plays in the kicking game. It's just not what we thought we'd see, right? I mean, uh, I, I think that you can't undersell or overstate how, how much of an advantage that gives you when you pin somebody back down like that. Pat, listeners who tuned in last week are, are well aware that Keith and I told everybody to look out for the swinging gate on the first PAT in the ballgame. Yes. So I hope the listeners made a note on that. Uh, <laughs> but more seriously, why? I listened. I, I kind of, I was the press box, and I kind of shook my head. I was like, "All right, uh, you know, yeah, I get that 
Oh, you got to waste more of LSU's practice time getting ready for that. Well, they're going to, they're going to prepare. They're going to have a defense set up for that. Uh, I think I would have preferred just the, the element of surprise on the fake field goal. Everybody's got one, right? They've got multiple fake field goals. I'm just not sure the time to run it was against Duquesne. But, hey, listen, they pay Mike $5 million a year to make those calls. They don't pay me anything. So, uh, hey, but I, maybe maybe they have 10 fake, extra, fake field goals, and that was the worst one. And so they just put it out there and said, here, everybody, you can look at this the rest of the year. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit, I, I kind of was like, well, okay. <laughs> now, if it had been a more important game or a, I would have really questioned it had it been the first, you know, the first uh, touchdown against LSU, you know, taking a point, essentially taking a point off the board. But anyway, yeah, I was kind of, I was like you guys. <laughs> no, no, wait a minute. You're bumping me in there. Don't lump me in there. Cause I, I, I was like, <laughs> I can tell you what happened there. They told Rector if they have, X over here and Y number of over here. That was his decision. And they had X over here and Y over there. So he ran what they told him to run. That's, just, that's how that works. Now, what, what you do to keep that from happening is next time or first score against LSU, say, hey, 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 Rector, we're not doing anything. You make sure you call. We come back in. We set and kick the extra point. Yeah, we had that 45 in. years ago. We had that 45 years ago. Or, if, they or if you line up and they line up a certain way, you make a call. Yeah, they well, say, you're right. Run, run it better. <laughs> oh, that's right. About that, you didn't get to the execution part. <laughs> well, hey, at least we know. At least they got some tricks in their bag. So, uh, all right. So you, you at the top of this conversation, Pat. You, you hit the key areas. I mean, how do you expect this game to unfold this weekend? Are you, are you thinking this is like last year's game against Notre Dame, and we're looking at high scoring? Is this more SEC style? Of course, SEC style scores some points these days too. What do you think? Yeah, pack? yeah. Uh, you listen, I, I think that the winner will be in the high 20, uh, low 30s. And I think the loser will be in the mid 20s to high 20s. I think it's going to be a tight game. I, uh, so I, I, the only prediction I've done so far is I had uh, 29-27 FSU. Uh, you know, listen, I do think this is the best football team FSU's had probably since uh, 2017, the 7-6 and six team, I believe, that uh, Jimbo's last year that Odell took to a bowl. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, – you know, probably uh, drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit, uh, but I do I do like this team. Uh, I think, but again, I think there's a lot of unknowns that we're still that you know just because of who they played the first game. I do think it matters who you play, uh, and uh, I think there's still a lot of questions that. Um, we have uh as people that cover the team i think there's questions that fans have uh you know i don't i think that lsu you know i've, I've seen they've get, gotten picked last in the sec west uh, by a couple of people that just doesn't seems nonsensical to me uh they've got a very very good coach who has put together a very good coaching staff and this program is only three years removed from a national championship so the i don't think the cupboard was bare i think they i think that this is going to be an excellent test to see where florida state is in mike norvell's third year uh but listen i you know this you know it's been fun to cover this team to this point uh it's been fun to watch they do seem to like to play together they seem to enjoy working together um you know uh so i'm looking forward to it but yeah i've got a i'm gonna give fsu 29 27 all right, you heard it here first patrick burnham lock it up appreciate it good really good insight appreciate the legwork on lsu pat
All right, guys. I look forward to joining you later in the year and uh, talk to you guys soon. All Thank right. Thank you, Pat. Stay right, great. We'll come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Trucks, cars, and SUVs. You name it, and we got it. With the best selection of new and used vehicles in North Florida and South Georgia and the best prices and trade-in values every day, it's the Hobson way. And if it's service you want, Mike Tyler and his team will take great care of you and do the job right. You'll never get a better deal or be treated better than right here in Cairo, Georgia at Hobson Chevrolet. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you, or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Great insight from Patrick Burnham as uh, we continue and we'll finish up here, Keith. Uh, anything resonate with you in terms of the homework Pat's done? Well, uh, no. Uh, I mean, obviously, Florida State staff, and we talked about this in our first the ball game on Sunday, you know, they are having to go back and look at coordinators in prior positions, uh, in prior jobs, and try to pick up tendencies and traits and that type of thing. Uh, so a lot of um, work even more so than normal on the coaching staffs this week. Uh, and Coach Norvell alluded to it, I believe, in his uh, Monday um, uh, press conference that, you know, they'd done a lot of scout work over the summer, which is what you do when you, when you get ready. And as a result, um, you've you got to be careful about putting too much into the game plan. And then the sub part of that is you're probably going to see some things you didn't anticipate or you didn't rep enough. And so as a result, also on the coaching staff, and now the kids, that proverbial in-game corrections and in-game adjustments are going to be very, very big for Florida State this week. I'm curious. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I'm glad they got one game in the books just to work through communication and things like that. Remember, new offensive coordinator, Norvell, back to call and plays. Uh, I just feel like, and I don't know a percentage, Keith, but I think the last two years, it's it's sort of like FSU's been calling offensive plays with one hand, one arm tied behind their back. It hadn't been the full, the full book. And I feel like with with the added personnel, they're much closer to what Mike Norvell wants with his offense. They're not all the way there, but there's a lot more options now than maybe what there used to be. And you had mentioned, and I concur, that certainly uh, Travis was throwing the ball with a lot more confidence. And those those you call them dig routes, I just call them you know routes over the middle where you've got to be accurate, just ask uh, what happens when you're not accurate over the middle, um, and his confidence. Now, what I haven't heard, and, and I've I'm not been at any of the press conferences where I've asked the question, what I haven't heard is how Travis did in his pre-snap adjustments. Uh, and I think that's a, a question and, and an answer that I would be very, very interested in hearing, um, because by all accounts, after the snap, he was very, very productive, but what did he do before the snap? Was that as consistent as his after-the-snap performance? It seemed pretty solid to me. I mean, just based on the uh, – I'll put it this way. If he didn't do it correctly, whatever he did, if he was wrong, he did it with conviction, right? I this mean, he true. seemed to get the offense in and out. Uh, good rhythm, good tempo. I mean, it seemed like he did a nice job. I agree. 
I agree. And of course, that's him being third year in the program and third year in playing ball and all the other stuff that goes into that. Uh, you, you, you can't coach speed. You can't coach strength and quickness, but you can coach understanding the offense, understanding the defense and understanding your job. And he certainly has been a good student, at least through spring, fall camp, and now through one game. Do you think FSU has the edge at quarterback in this game? Brian Kelly, as we heard with Patrick Burnham, is keeping it close to the vest. And obviously, if they go with the Arizona State transfer, he's started even more games than, than Travis has. I don't know that I would say that they have an advantage, um, but not for maybe the reason you think. I would say that Florida State and Travis have the advantage because they've played a game. Now, that advantage will go away, what, halfway through the second quarter? You know, once that LSU offense has been into their fourth possession, you know, that kind of takes care of itself. Uh, but I've not seen the LSU quarterbacks play. I am a little taken back is too strong a term. I'm just curious that in, in the way I've heard it phrased, and Pat alluded to this a little bit, but Coach Kelly said he's no, he knows who his starter is. He's just not going to announce it. That's not a normal way of doing that. Do you have a feeling on that one way or the other? Well, I think it's the one card he can play. I mean, I think when Florida State's had a quarterback battle and it's not clear, they sometimes will keep that close to the vest just to force the the opponent to uh, try and do more things, just like FSU's swinging gate is forcing LSU to do more things maybe, right? Yeah, but, but you don't, as the head coach, you don't say, I know who it is. I'm just not going to tell you. You just say, well, we haven't determined that yet. I just think that's a little unusual. Oh, I got you. I got you. But are you suggesting the LSU team doesn't know? I think they know full well at practice. I agree. Number one. I agree. At least yeah. on the offensive side. Now, the defensive kids may not care, but, you know, I, I believe. And, and, and kids know it anyway. We've talked about this. If you have situations where your head coach or segment coach is playing somebody that's clearly not the better player, the kids know that. That becomes a, that becomes a distraction and a problem within whatever your offensive or defensive units are. Um, and and you, you've got, as a head coach and a segment coach and or coordinator, you got to stay away from that, or you, you at least got to be aware of that because the well, kids that, are not crazy. They're not dumb. They know. That, that's why coaches say, I don't determine the starting lineup. You determine the starting lineup. <laughs> that is true. Which I think is generally true, but there are a few positions, especially if you're as stacked as, as some of the top teams that go to the college football playoff are. Uh, if, if you're one and one a and one B are all that good, it's actually a tougher decision than, than in some cases, I, I'll fair, say fair, this, fair the decisions assessment. have gotten tougher for Mike Norvell this year, just because Florida state is deeper than what they've been. They're still not one to 85 deep. Uh, but in some areas they're, they're, they're pretty good depth. And, and overall, I think that was, again, it was Duquesne, but I think we all feel a little bit better just knowing that they do have a little bit better personnel and a little more better personnel, if that makes sense. And I, I, I would tell you from my experience, Mike would tell you if he could be candid and not worry about it getting out, that he would prefer to have difficult decisions on who gets the number of, who gets to start, who gets the most number of snaps. That's one of those, as they categorize a pleasant problem. It's still a problem, but it's sure better than having no idea who you would play in or only one guy and, and, Instead of having a 1B and a 1C, you got a 3A and a 3B. Uh, that's not where you want to be. Uh, and, and I think you're right. I think depth has improved to the point where there are position battles, uh, and that makes everybody better during the week and makes games a, a little bit easier. We'll finish up on this, Keith. How do you think uh, the running back 
committee will shake out. Do you think it whittles down to two backs really splitting the carries? Do you think we're going to see all three in there? Do you think that Toa Feely is a little more unique and that they've used him in the slot previously, and so maybe they use him in different ways? What do you expect? What you hope for, Tommy, is that someone elevates themselves. And I'm not here after one game to tell you who I think that might be. I think all three of those kids could have – and you know, they could get on a roll, get in a rhythm in the LSU game and, and separate themselves. And, and that will be unfortunate for the other two, but it will be great for the team overall. The good side is you know you know your running backs are going to get nicked up and bruised, and there's going to be series or quarters or games that get missed. And so the fall off when that happens, apparently through one sample size, one game sample size, is not going to be that great. That's an encouragement. encouragement. All right, Keith, we are uh, out of time for this week's show. We will do this again on Monday. We'll have to set a time, but we'll have a – a fresh front row Knowles at some point on Monday uh, before 12 noon, I would suspect. Enjoy the game this weekend. You enjoy your trip over, and uh, we'll be thinking about the uh, marital bliss that needs to uh, persist in the block household with a divided, lo- divided loyalties. I, I understand. Understand it's not my loyalty that's divided, by the way, Noel fans. We're back on Monday. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles. <laughs>